Hello, I'm Brad Geddes. WebmasterRadio.fm wants to help you explore the keys to success in your internet marketing and expand your wealth of knowledge. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Download it today from the iTunes Store or Google Play Store. Discover new ways to revolutionize your revenue stream linked right to your smartphone with the new WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. Let us help you discover the keys to success, the keys to success in your internet marketing. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org, CertifiedKnowledge.org. Overcome the trials and tribulations of the past and let Marketing Nirvana revolutionize your revenue stream and ROI. Prepare to experience Marketing Nirvana right now. Here are your hosts. All right. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Marketing Nirvana. I'm your host, Brad Geddes, the founder of Certified Knowledge, and we're a marketing training and tools company. And on this show, we investigate various ways in which your marketing efforts can reach a state of nirvana. You can find show notes and other information about our guests on certifiedknowledge.org. So today I have one of my favorite guests with me today, um, David Satella. Uh, many of you should recognize him as someone who used to host a show, PPC Rockstars, a frequent conference speaker, consultant, um, author of PPC An Hour of Day. Uh, so he's someone you should definitely listen to in the PPC world. So uh, welcome, David. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Brad. Always a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, so so David and I, we're both fans of the Google Display Network. Um, a lot of people aren't, and, and I often find that when people aren't fans of it, they, they're either in a few types of businesses that actually just don't do well. Um, they've got these legacy feelings from when it really wasn't a great network back in 2003, which is just years ago now. Um, but for most people, it, it can work. So David and I are going to kind of look at, at GDN. Um, and look at some of the ways it's been changing, and kind of just our thoughts around it. Um, so, so David, you know, when you think of Google Display Network, I mean, what springs to mind? What's your thoughts on just display advertising with Google? Um, I started digging into it um, several years ago because uh, I knew that it was the source, or could be the source, of a lot of traffic. But uh, that traffic seemed to be uh, well; it didn't didn't convert well, and um, I, I really wanted to dig in and find out why, and uh, I found a couple of things. Uh, I'll, I'll simplify it. Uh, the first thing is that uh, most advertisers didn't understand how to target, how to use Google's AdWords tools to um, to target the, the kinds of customers they were looking for. And the second factor was the fact that uh, many advertisers would reuse their search ads when the display network uh, really requires um, demand generation advertising in order to pr- produce good results. So, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, as you are. Yeah, so so I find that when you look by business model, that there are some models that actually do better on display from direct conversions. They do on search. And others, you're right, it's a demand generation model. Um, so, so just to, to clarify to everyone, when you say demand generation, what exactly do you mean? Well, I mean, um, unlike search where you're simply responding to, to a, a very well-articulated desire or need, 
Um, the ads in the Google Display Network appear on a page of content where the content is really the main attraction for the person that might respond to the ad. So the the first uh, purpose of the ad is to distract attention away from the page of content that the user came to to look at, and then to uh, to hook them in very quickly, and uh, and convince them to take the next step. So uh, yeah, there's no, there's no demand when the person is looking at the ad initially. There's no articulated or even uh, uh, well thought out demand. Uh, before the person looks at the ad. So that's what I mean by demand generation. Okay. So when you're measuring success of Display Network, kind of we've completely – I always set up a, a, an agenda of what we're going to talk about, and, of course, I always jump off of it. Um, so when you think of, of measuring success of display, what yep. – do you use straight conversions? Do you What do you think about view-through conversions? View-through conversions are, are interesting. View-through conversions um, are, are a statistic that that uh, Google reports, where Google says, or and I can say claims to that uh, the view-through conversions are conversions that happen after someone has viewed an ad but has not clicked on the ad. So uh, it's supposedly a measure of some kind of influence that the ad has over a person, uh, where that influence turns into a conversion later on down the line. Um, when this came out, we actually did some experimentation to try to prove or disprove whether that, that uh, the, the statistics were believable, and um, we found that they were. In fact, uh, we found that uh, about 80% of the conversions that happened uh, seemed to be the direct result of someone seeing the ad but not converting right away. So when you think of bid modeling, um, do you use view-through conversions in your bid models? Um, yes, yes, we, we, especially where they're, they're significant. Uh, I've seen cases where the number of view-through conversions was uh, at or equal to the number of, uh, of one, one, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. One per click. One per click, right. Um, so again, we, we, we've seen, uh, situations where the number of view-through conversions was at or more than the number of one-per-click one conversions. So it's kind of impossible to ignore. And uh, what what we decided to do was uh, trust half half of the view-through conversion uh, data. And so, uh, so, so essentially we would take the, the uh, one-per-click one per conversions, add to them the half of the view-through conversions and calculate our CPA based on that and then adjust the bids accordingly. No, that's interesting. Um, but that's essentially saying your view-throughs aren't dramatically different than your one-per-click. So I see accounts – in fact, I looked at one the other day that had uh, – in their actual sales for the month was like 1,000 sales. Their AdWords reported sales was something like 800 sales. Their view through sales were view through conversion were something like eight hundred thousand, okay. right? So, so, and and this is not uncommon to see view throughs being astronomically higher yeah. than actual conversions. Other other ways of deduping these or making them so they're they're more in alignment because, from my understanding, and please correct if I'm wrong on this. Um, if the same person sees his ad 50 times and converts once, there's still 50 view-throughs. Is that, isn't that right? 
Not necessarily. My, my understanding is that the, the view-through data is counting only um, when the Google Display Network ad is viewed but not clicked upon. So let's. But it's see. not unique, right? Yeah, it, it's possible that it's not unique, and that's that's the reason that we we back off from we we would back off fifty percent from the actual number. You know, that oh. just felt right. I didn't have any data to to support that. It just felt like that would eliminate the uh, the, the dupes. And this again, this was based on our testing. No, and that makes sense. And for most of, uh, of the accounts, I see that that actually falls by the line that they see. Okay, so so off of bidding for a second here, let's actually get into some of the targeting, the, the fun stuff. Yep. Um, so it used to be years ago, themes were the way to go, where you might not be picking a keyword. You're more choosing words that together match content of pages, and, and Google wasn't doing so much one-word matching. And January, February, sometime earlier this year, you know, Google turned around and they said, nope, we're going to now do one-to-one keyword matching, and you can bid on a keyword level by display, and you should change all your ad groups to, from themes to keywords and so forth. What do you, what, what's your thoughts on keyword targeting for display these days? Well, uh, I think it's still effective, and um, I think there's, there's some reason to believe that nothing really changed. Uh, and I sp- I've spent a lot of time combing through the help files and uh, spent some more time this morning looking through the help files, looking through the Google certification training for the display network, and even looking through the Inside AdWords blog posts, because I believe that, that the uh, the statements that you just described first appeared in the Inside AdWords blog. And I couldn't find anything. Well, I could find only one kind of vague statement referring to uh, discrete keyword action uh, with, when targeting. So here, here's what I think is a possibility. And, and by the way, I tried to find someone at Google to deny or, or uh, 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 accept this explanation, and, and I, I ran into brick walls. Um, so Google's a big organization. They're, uh, they're, they're, uh, they don't have a lot of turnover in their employees, but their employees change roles frequently. And I think that um, the uh, somebody came along within the Google AdWords team, maybe the product management team, and saw individual keyword data and uh, started to make some assumptions about the actions of keywords that may may not have been completely true. So I, 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 the long and the short of it for me is I, I really don't think that keywords act discreetly. I think they... they uh, act as is as, as currently described in the help files in the uh, certification training. Uh, keywords in a in a Google Display Network ad group act together to describe a theme that Google tries to match to the theme of uh, corresponding websites, and uh, that is true, I believe, despite the fact that in the web interface uh, you can actually see performance data per keyword. Um, yep. and the reason for that, I believe, is, is, a, is kind of an artifact or a vestige of the time when, um, and actually this is a question to you that I thought of today, Brad, uh, because you've been, you've been using AdWords longer than I have. Um, was, wasn't, wasn't there a time when there, there was only one flavor of campaign within Google AdWords, and that was a combined search and what they called content in the time, which is Google Display Network? Yep, initially back in 
2002 to I want to say 2004, but I could be wrong on that year. You could only choose one network. Um, you okay. had no option of network targeting. Okay, so I think the data that we see is an artifact of that. Um, and here, here are a couple pieces of evidence for that. One is that um, you can do to keywords in a Google Display Network ad group just about anything you can do in, in, to a, a search ad group. So, for example, you can change match types of keywords in the Google Display Network. And uh, I found a reference in the, in the help files that said that that action has no bearing on, on uh, how Google targets your ads. Uh, I think that the uh, – I saw another reference that said uh, when you have a combined search and display campaign, uh, the data that's reported for keywords is only data that is uh, emanating from the, the, the search part of the campaign. That is an outdated help file. That I can okay. tell you that part. Um, that's definitely outdated. That used to be very true until they broke display tab out. And, and so, in fact, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on, on that point. Um, as soon as we come back from taking a break for our sponsors, we'll be back in one moment, and we're going to get into more of how keywords really work on display in just a minute. More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. Hi, this is Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group and your host on Market Edge, wishing you and your... Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're talking with uh, David Satella about Display Network, and, and David just brought up the point of 
where in AdWords Hub Files, it says when you see keyword data in a display and search campaign, it's search-based data. And, and that was true up until whenever they split up that display tab. Now, this is where I, I think that you have a really big difference and people who understand data based upon who has used value track or not. So value track is essentially a set of additional parameters you can enter into the URL and Google fills them in for you. And so essentially you can have a, a parameter that's keyword and add position and add ID and so forth. Now, even back to – and don't quote me in the years. I want to say like 2007, somewhere when you could really do some placement targeting. Um, if you use value track and it was – the ad was on a display site where Google was confident that a particular keyword caused the ad to be put on that display site – then they would fill in the value track parameter with the actual keyword, and you could, if you tracked it yourself, Google didn't give this to you back then. If you tracked it yourself, you could get keyword level data back for about 25 to 30 percent of your um, display impressions. So, by no means all of them, but for some of them. And so, this kind of brings me back to to what you're about to talk about is the reporting now in GA, where you can sometimes. See keyword level data on display, but of course it does not add up to your whole ever. Um, right? Do you do you trust the keyword level data, or how much credence, or I guess not credence because it, it's correct when it's there, but how much do you judge your decisions based upon the keyword level data Google gives you for display? Uh, I I personally don't trust it at all. Um, now let me let me respond to the value track thing. Um, when when was value track uh, introduced? I believe it was early. It, yeah, I, you know what? At least two thousand six. It might have been earlier. Um, it might have been two thousand seven. But it's been five or six years, at least, if not longer. Yeah. Well, I th- I think uh, again the Google the. I'm not going to get into the Google API. That's that's a little too much <laughs> we'd like. Uh, here's another piece of evidence that I discovered today, and that is that um, you can see keyword-level data, again, for some keywords in, in the web interface of AdWords. Um, when you try to pull that data into, Google, into the AdWords editor, it doesn't appear at all. And um, you could say that, well, maybe – Maybe AdWords Editor just hasn't caught up because frequently it's behind uh, the, the web interface. But AdWords Editor has been refreshed since the Display Network tab uh, has appeared in the web interface. So I think it's possible that the, the people that are – I know that the team that develops the AdWords Editor is, is a wholly separate team based in New York City, a small team. And uh, they, may be, they may be clued into – the possible fact that the the data is not significant and therefore they don't pull it in. You know what? So you might be reading too much into that one. And and the only reason I say that is the AdWords editor does rely on the API for getting stuff back. Now the API and this I wish they would let you do this in the interface. So if you use the API, you can download 
You know when you – and this jumps off topic for a second, but if you go into the interface and you look at your quality score, right? you've got your relative CTR, your um, expected CTR, and your landing page relevance. So in the API – and you can't pull that as a master report anywhere except in the API, except the API doesn't list the three new qualifications. It still lists landing page load time, landing page relevance, and so the API and the quality score is – uh, eight, six months, eight months behind. Right. So sometimes it's the API is so far behind on things, and then once the API is updated, then the editor can be updated to include that information. So sometimes it's not they don't consider it relevant; they don't have access to it. Yep. Um, as well. Well, here's okay. I'll just I'll stay one more piece of, of evidence. This, <laughs> this is really tangential evidence, but um, you know I, I think. Uh, we, we both know that the help files uh, are uh, sometimes outdated, uh, sometimes even misleading, and I think that reflects the fact that they're they're they've, they've been evolving over time, written by different people, uh, some sometimes new people, sometimes old people that haven't caught on that things have been changing, uh, and I'm talking about people within Google, of course. Um, and I found references in the help files that, that gave advice that I think is uh, not only misleading, but it can, can be damaging. Uh, and that is, uh, they gave the same advice regarding keywords in a display ad group that one might log- logically and beneficially take if the ad group was a search ad group. So, for example, they said, they say, look at the keyword data for uh, a display ad group. And if you see any any keywords that are not performing well, uh, delete them or pause them. Uh, likewise, they say if you want to do better with the display network, uh, display ad group that's uh, keyword driven, um, or uh, better in terms of getting more quality traffic, add keywords to the ad group. And uh, I think that's misleading for a couple reasons. One is that if you accept the premise that uh, Keywords uh, are the, the effect of keywords is to define a, a theme that Google tries to match to the theme of a website. Then eliminating keywords might uh, throw Google off the scent. In other words, it might uh, uh, fail to define a theme uh, well that uh, gives you good good meaty targeting. And likewise, if you add keywords to an ad a, a, a display ad group. Um, the same thing might happen, or, or even worse, you might start to have your ads displayed on uh, sites that are not frequented by your target customers. So, so you're a believer I'm, in themes, then. So, you really you, do you still create your ad groups with like four to six, eight, twelve keywords based around a theme, and sure. don't give credence individual ones? Okay, sure. And you're still having success on display. Yes. Yes. Do you ever create ad groups where you're just using one or two keywords where you're just seeing if Google's right or just because it's so niche, you, they're just you know one or two keywords and see sure. how it goes? Sure. What do you find is most beneficial long-term for you? Well, it, 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 it's hard to generalize because um, sometimes one or two keywords – I, I guess you could – kind of make a rule that says uh, if one or two keywords, if those one or two keywords are, are unique enough, uh, maybe even getting close to branded keywords, then uh, you don't have to have additional keywords to, to teach Google uh, which which pages to uh, place your ads on. Whereas um, 
if you really need several keywords, let's say that uh, the, the keywords you're using have synonyms that might mean something different than you're intending, then you might need additional keywords to, you know, make, make sure that Google picks the right theme. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yep. Nope. Nope. No. I I understand. I understand. Uh, a stance I've been trying lately is for for niche accounts, things that have strange targeting using themes. Um, but themes take longer to make. So if it's a really big account, and you know they're dealing with uh, hundreds wait, of thousands, wait, if not millions you, of uh, why what? do you say themes are harder to are, take longer to, to make? Um, because there's more thought, right? Keywords you can. So actually, let me let me finish this, and we can go back and compare them. Okay. So with a theme, right? You, let's say you're selling an, an iPhone, yep. right? You might have keywords that are Apple iPhone MP3 player, um, Bluetooth, so forth, right? Where yep. you don't want Google to trigger ad off the word Bluetooth. You want Google to trigger ad off this whole theme. Um, now, so it takes thought. Yep. So the other other way is saying, hey, here's our search keywords. We're going to only take the ones that are maybe two or three words, so we're going to kill all the long tail stuff. We're going to get rid of all the match types because Google really does ignore match types and, and deduplicate them. Then we're going to put them on display, and in that – if you had 10,000 ad groups, that now became a few-hour project, yeah. where if you were doing themes, it was a few-day project. Sure, sure. And, and so that's kind of the difference there. Um, yeah, I think that's valid. Um, there, there are cases, um, many cases, where, where themes are easier, though. Um, and, and again, you've got you've to um, think uh, totally different from search. You have to think, what kinds of sites do I want my ads to appear on? And uh, frequently, there's a theme that matches the type of site that's your goal uh, quite specifically. Let, let's say, for example, there was a theme you wanted to reach new homeowners, and there was a theme called new homeowners, uh, sites where new homeowners would, would naturally visit. Um, that's a no-brainer. Uh, so, the, you know, there are 2,000 themes now, so it's, it's uh, getting easier to uh, just browse through the list and say, oh, yeah, that's the type of site I want my ads to appear on. That gets in a topic target. In fact, let's touch on that right after we first take a break for our sponsors. More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of Internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com. It's good to be king. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. 
I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Ho, ho, ho! This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization, CEO of Site Tuners, and chairperson of the Conversion Conference. I want to wish Injecting all of you... new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back talking with uh, David Satella about display network and in fact dave and i just had a quick chat on the break and realized that there's so much good stuff here we're actually gonna make this a two-part show and continue our conversation um and so we're gonna do topics and interests and remarketing all that good stuff in the next show but this one we're gonna finish up on, on keywords so david you're making the point that that sometimes themes are easier to make and yes. And do you feel that there's an account size where that becomes prohibitive, that if you were to do this, it would just take you days? Or do you find that that really is just your preferred way of doing this? Well, as I said, I, I think that – and we are talking about topic uh, targeting uh, now. Let's, let's are you change. really talking about keywords making a topic theme, aren't you? Okay, okay. Well, I'll um, – the point I, I, I tried to make before the break was that uh, was related to topic targeting, where um, frequently uh, it's just as fast and easy to pick one of the 2,000 topics available um, and uh, uh, say, Google, I want my ads placed on all of the sites that match this topic uh, that you have uh, presented to me. Uh, it's just as fast and easy to do that as it is to, to create ad groups consisting of keywords. In fact, it, I, I haven't done any experimentation like side-by-side -side testing keywords against topics, but I suspect that in, in some cases that uh, topic targeting might be more accurate. So uh, this is what I see in general. And again, there's lots of exceptions when you say see in general. But I find – that if you were to look at on a CPA basis, so what does it actually cost to get a conversion? That with keywords, you can be more specific than a topic, and therefore keywords have lower CPAs um, when they're chosen correctly. But I find that because you've chosen keywords, and there's lots and lots of pages out there that fit what you do in your ads but don't have those keywords on them, that topics give you more conversions, so if it's a volume issue, I usually find topics are better. If it's a so if it's like a mid-sized or large account, topics are great. I, I totally agree with that. I find on smaller accounts that if you're if you're limited on budget um, and you're only going to spend you know five or ten or fifteen grand or something a month on display, that keywords will give you often 
lower CPAs but can't touch the budget of what a topic can do. I mean, that's just what I see in general. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that, uh, that generalization, I, I would agree that that's valid um, in, in most cases. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, a lot of it depends on the ad as well. And I, th- I think, uh, I guess I, I would think of it this way. One, uh, with, with keywords, what you're trying to do is create a topic. You're trying to say, Google, show my ad on pages that contain these keywords or, or that match the theme that these keywords add up to in, in, in your algorithm's estimation. Whereas with topics, uh, you're, you're saying, uh, show my ads on sites that match this topic. Now, in, in both cases... Uh, I have found that uh, the algorithm doesn't do a perfect job, and uh, that's the reason we add negative placements to uh, an ad group or a campaign that contains either keywords or topics. Uh, the, the algorithms just aren't aren't uh, 100% efficient. So, uh, so you're finding that you're starting with topics. And then you're looking for poor placements and making them negatives. Is that your kind of default workflow? I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but is that your default workflow now? Yes. Okay. Um, and and negative top uh, negative placements, of course, are always always necessary. Yeah. Um, and I, I should I should add that um, there I, I run into plenty plenty of situations where topic targeting uh, is not appropriate. And uh, one obvious one is when uh, the the theme I'm after just is not available in the topic list in that list of two thousand uh, themes or topics. That's fair. Um, now, what what when what when um, when the theme is too broad? What do you think of? So let's say maybelline is launching a new eyeliner type right or and i'm just making up stuff i don't make up that well but i just i just ran into this actually and the google only goes down to the cosmetic category they don't go further than that so in that case do you try a cosmetic category or you just say nope eyeliner is more specific we should just go after the eyeliner keywords good question um I think my inclination would be to choose the topic, cosmetics, and then add keywords, kind of uh, analogous to um, using placements uh, that uh, whose, whose top uh, – using placements whose subject matter are, are, are varied. Uh, for example, uh, the New York, New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. And then using keywords to say to Google, show my ads on the Wall Street Journal site, but only when uh, only on pages that uh, match the theme of these keywords. So both match the keyword and match the topic. Sure. Okay. Which gets into what we're going to really get into on the next show, which is flexible targeting, where yes. we can start combining placements and interests and do a negative topic or do a topic plus a keyword or do a topic plus a remarketing campaign or multiples because now you can have i think our craziest ad group and this is a very specific type of user is the targeting is set at only four females who are between 18 and 35 who are currently looking in the cosmetic category and are on 
um, one of the remarketing lists that where they've spent more than two minutes on one of the properties previously. Um, yeah, and this is how crazy you can get with this stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is great, well, and that's what we're going to sure, get cra- into in the next show. Yep, crazy is good when you hyper target. You know, the, all these tools are intended to uh, allow the advertiser to say, uh, "Show my ads on a very, very small number of uh, site pages, where I know that those pages are viewed by my target audience." Yep, perfect. So, um, on the keyword matter, then. So any final words of wisdom about keyword targeting with Google Display Network? Um, Yeah, there's a great uh, tool available called the Contextual Targeting Tool that's uh, relatively new and uh, allows the advertiser to type in one seed word or one seed keyword, uh, and Google displays um, several ad groups uh, each containing a small number of keywords that uh, they suggest would work in an ad group. And, yeah. uh, I, f- I found that to be useful. It's it's not you know foolproof. Uh, Google suggests too many ad groups, but um, it certainly does underscore the fact that a small number of keywords is, is preferable and that um, uh, it, it kind of guides you to show you that the keywords can be can add up to a theme. And uh, that that theme is is uh, defining the, the types of pages where you want your ads to appear. Yeah, every time you say something, David, it just leads to another question, so we can never finish these shows. But we're going to finish uh, it in just a second, and so okay. we can do our, our next one. So on that tool, you that Google also gives you suggested CPCs, and this is always everyone's big question: is all right, Google gives me suggestions when I use the keyword tool. They may not be widely inaccurate, but at least it's a starting place. Yeah. Um, how much do you believe the contextual targeting CPCs in that tool, or how do you even begin to think about your starting CPCs here? That's a great question. Um, there really are two two uh, strategies. One of them is uh, start low and move high uh-huh. and over time. The other is start high and move low. And uh, I think it really depends on the advertiser, their their budget, um, their uh, their aggressiveness in in reaching equilibrium, preferably equilibrium that produces uh, the highest volume at the target CPA. Um, you know, my, my preference is to is to start relatively high and move low to get the uh, the data as quickly as possible to flush out the uh, placements that aren't performing well as soon as possible. Um, and you know, as far as the suggested bids are concerned, I I found that they are um, you know they're acceptable. Um, I just I just used the contextual targeting tool to search to do a uh, search on eyeliner, and uh, got several uh, suggested ad groups. And the suggested bid is between thirty nine cents and a dollar nineteen or so. So. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's uh, acceptable uh, data to guide one to a decision. Of course, you've got to you've got to factor in uh, what the profitability is of whatever you're selling, et cetera. But uh, you know, just like any of the data that gets reported by these tools, uh, you'd rather have it than not have it, and it, it's an acceptable guideline. Nope, that's perfect. Perfect. So, thanks, David, so much for this episode. Um, where can people find you online? 
Um, I, I spent a lot of time on Twitter. I, I try to tweet some really good resources for uh, PPC advertisers, AdWords and Bing. And my uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Satella, S-Z-E-T-E-L-A. And um, my email address is Satella at gmail.com if anybody is interested in uh, hiring me as a consultant. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the, the show today, David. Oh, it was a pleasure, Brad. Thanks. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Mark and Nirvana. As a reminder, the show notes and information we, about our guests can be found on certifiedknowledge.org. And you'll want to tune in to next month because David and I are going to finish this conversation. But we're going to get into some of the flexible stuff we are, we are getting into the end, and we're going to really dive into it in the next episode. So new episodes of Mark and Nirvana can be found on Mondays at noon Eastern at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find archives out of our past episodes at webmasterradio.fm, um, Stitcher, iTunes, or the webmasterradio.fm iPhone app, or even Google Play, so everywhere you really want to get your content. Thank you for listening. This has been a presentation of webmasterradio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.